Hey, everybody. You know, Mark and I have over 20 years of experience as therapists and as addicts in long-term successful recovery. We know better than anyone what works and what doesn't to break out of porn and sex addiction, heal betrayal trauma, and reclaim your relationship. And we've poured all of our personal and professional recovery and healing experience into a first-of-its-kind program for addicts, spouses, and couples. We call it Dare to Connect. At least four times every week, we engage with you in real time, in the trenches, giving you the knowledge and the tools to take back your life and relationship. Whatever else you've done on your journey for healing and recovery, you've never done anything like this. You know, Mark and I, we've made all the mistakes, so you don't have to. Don't reinvent the wheel. We all know tomorrow never comes. Look, don't wait one more day to change. Claim your free two-week trial today at daretoconnectnow.com. Hey everybody, I'm Steve Moore. And I'm Mark Castleman. We know the pain and heartbreak of porn and sex addiction. And we know the triumph of breaking completely free. Every day, we help our clients find hope and healing. Join us in the fight to take back your life, your marriage, and be stronger than ever. This is the PBSC Squared Podcast. Mark, I am so excited for the podcast today. Um, I know last week we had talked a lot about, uh, you know, this is part two in a three-part series we're doing. We talked a lot about the addict and his relationship with God, right? And what that looks like, what gets in the way, um, how, how, how that relationship is impacted by kind of the various, you know, pieces of addiction and its origins. And this week we're going to take that uh, battle with God discussion into the realm of the spouse, Right. And I got to tell you, I mean, just owning, you know, if I was to check in so-and-so with the podcast and our listeners, last couple of weeks, I've just been feeling really, I guess, burdened would be the best way to put it about this. Um, I think it's very apropos we're talking about this because there seems to be almost an even market increase over the typical for me uh, in terms of, uh, you know, so many of these issues that these dear spouses face that are listening in. Uh, in, in particular, in their in their battle with trying to maintain, find, develop, grow a relationship and a trust in God and His role in this in this whole recovery process, um, because just like the addicts, right, that we we have talked about, there are lots of sources that uh, that contribute to distorting that voice. Uh, trauma being one of them, just like with in addiction uh, on on the addict side. Um, Many of these men, uh, for example, that uh, I that I work with, and many of the men that you work with, the the sad reality is is that as bad as their betrayal has been to the marriage, right, and their addiction and, and their acting out and 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 the deception and everything that goes with it, um, for for far too many of you women out there, for far too many of you spouses, uh, you're just your your addict spouse is just the latest in a string of people. Who, have, who may have done that same thing to you. Um, and we all form relationships, right? With our higher power from 
you know, our interactions with other people, with interactions with our parents. And, and it's, it's very difficult when you, for an, for a wife or for a spouse, I hear all the time from wives, you know, they, they're, when betrayal trauma occurs, when that deception happens, when there's that level of manipulation and gaslighting in a marriage, when all those things kind of coalesce and, and come together, as we've talked about before, women don't, women just don't lose trust in their, in their husbands. They lose trust in humanity and in God, I think, in the process in many respects, right? I think it's very hard for a wife not, I, I was actually talking to a wife just the other week uh, who said, you know, kind of word for word, you know, I've got to have my back because nobody else will. Nobody else has me covered. If I don't handle this, if I don't handle my, my partner's recovery, if I don't handle my own recovery, if I don't drag this marriage solo through the gates of hell and back, it's not <laughs> going to make it, right? Yeah. And, and what a travesty that is. Well, you know, it's, I like what you said, how this whole, the whole relationship that we have with God is really a, a cumulative thing that's been going on our whole lives. Yeah. And, you know, as I think about my wife, and even my mom, my sisters, uh, and of course, all the, <clears throat> all the women clients that I've worked with over the years, there's a lot of things in a woman's life that can really take a hit to their relationship with their, with their higher power, with God. There are just so many things that happen that uh, can have a, a dramatic impact on that relationship. Yeah. You know, we're, and so we're talking specifically about that today. You know, how, how do you, how can you be the spouse of an addict and also have a close relationship with God? And even more so, how can you do this thing we call let go and let God? How do yeah. I start to let go of uh, all of these ways that I feel like I have to control the situation? How do I start to let go of so many negative emotions that can dominate my mind and my heart? This can be so overwhelming. You know, one of the things, <clears throat> in fact, that I'm thinking of in regard to this, ways that uh, women find that the relationship with God can be interrupted or negatively impacted is this thing that says, why would God allow this? Why did God allow this marriage to happen in the first place? Mm. And I've talked yeah. with a lot of women who have said, you know, I, I tried to be inspired. I tried to seek, you know, God's guidance when I was courting this guy and trying to decide whether to marry him. And I feel like I got an answer. I mean, I felt good about it. I, I tried to, you know, follow divine guidance. And so I, I went forward with it. And now here we are. Yeah. Now I'm discovering, you know, for example, the last 15 years, he's been hiding this from me. And, you know, who, who did I marry? Who I don't even I don't even know the guy I married. And, you know, and, and that whole list goes on and on and on of the kinds of things that come out and are revealed when a husband finally discloses or, you know, the full truth comes out. And it's and women very naturally will say, well, God, why then why did you direct me to marry this guy in the first place? Mm, why did yeah. you allow all this pain to happen? Why didn't you warn me in the beginning? And just that whole aspect alone can be a great division in the relationship that a woman has with God. Absolutely, right? And what you're touching on, very similar to our discussion with, with, with the guys last week, is, is there are a lot of distortions, right, that come into play with 
be, that that get in the way of God's true nature, right, or our relationship with Him, um, versus what what we actually experience. And there is, and, and and there are lots of kind of different facets to that. But one of the you know one of the big ones is if we were just to kind of globalize it for a second, it's there are various pieces to the human factor, right? Yeah. Um, you know, in, in, in that all lend to this kind of what you're talking about, you know, questioning everything. I mean, I heard just breaks my heart. A couple of weeks ago, I was working with a client and I don't recall the subject we were talking about right now, but I, at some point in, in the conversation, I said, so what does your gut tell you about that? And she looked at me and I do all my sessions virtually right now because of world conditions and even through the computer could just totally feel it. She just looked at me and says, and, and said, I don't know, my gut's broken. Mm. I don't know. I don't know what it tells me anymore. I don't feel like I can trust that thing. Because every time I feel like I have in the past, kind of like what you're alluding to, I feel like I get let down. Yeah. And so yeah. I have to, and so, the, and so this isolation for a spouse then becomes very real. In fact, I would argue that for spouses, we've touched on this before, but let's go a little more in depth with it now. I think that for, for spouses of addicts, the isolation, the shame, you know, all of those components that go into it, those are all exponentially, you know, doubled over. Um, a wife too often finds herself protecting, you know, for example, not just her own secrets or her own privacy, but is forced into a position of doing that with a spouse, right? There's the cultural component of, you know, if this gets out with my neighbors or my friends, you know, what, what's God going to, or not what, what is God going to think of me? But what is, you know, what are my neighbors going to think of me? They're going to think I'm a prude, that this is my fault, you know, that I'm just not enough for him or, or whatever the case is. And I know we're going to get into that a little bit later here, but um, there is a, there is a huge, a huge component to that where where wives as hard as and as hard and as difficult of a secret life as addicts tend to lead wives lead one even more so and the worst part is is they really did nothing to take that burden on yeah no i think that's really true there's you know the addict has some tough things but i agree with you that it's it's exponentially multiplied with a spouse um i know my wife you know, I think I've mentioned in the past, <clears throat> when we finally got to the place where I disclosed, after years and years of secrecy, um, and we started to get really honest with each other, she said, she said, you know, I knew something was wrong. I couldn't put my finger on it. Mm -hmm. I, really knew, I didn't know who was going to show up at any given time, you know, which mark was going to show up. Yeah. And then she said, and then this is something I've talked about that really broke my heart in, in our um, honest times. She said, I had kids to raise. And so I just had to just let you go through whatever you were going through. And I had to, I had to pay attention to our children. Yeah. And I had a family to take care of. And that, <clears throat> that's, I mean, think of the, think of the magnitude of that. Oh yeah. Right. I got to worry about me. I got to worry about you. I got to raise our kids. I got to, I got to, I got to, I got to, right. Just the, the huge burden on her. While yeah. I'm off doing my little private addiction indulgence, my wife is holding down the fort. Mm -hmm. And that has just emotionally terrorized me over yeah. the years thinking of that. I'm just like, what in the world? Man. So, well, and, you, you know, and you bring up a really good point there because you're right. I mean, obviously, 
we're we're definitely not living in traditional times. Let's put it that way. But there are many of the many of the wives that I work with. There tends to be a trend in our culture more so of men taking on more of the burden of, you know, bringing home the bacon or financial, you know, taking on the financial responsibility for the home. And, and a wife finds herself already so emotionally invested, like you're talking about with kids and raising the family and dealing with the drama and everything else. Now, on top of it, she finds herself having to do the, the same thing with a husband. I've, I've used the example before where I've had, I had a wife once come in and tell me after meeting with her and her husband, he stepped out for a minute and, you know, she just looked at me, rubbed her eyes, took her glasses off and just said, oh, Steve, I feel like I've, I've got five kids, but I feel like I have six. Like I just, you know, there's just kind of this notion of I've got to carry this whole other emotional burden in addition to, in addition to taking on, I think in many cases, the brunt of the nurturing and emotional component already. So the question then becomes, where does that leave? What does that do to a wife and her, her recovery piece specifically as it ties to God? No, what is that? Where does that leave? Yeah, because as you look at the big heavy burden that she has in so many ways, uh, one of the other things, in addition to saying, why didn't you warn me, God, in the beginning before I got myself into this mess? But then the other side is, well, why haven't you been giving me direction along the way? Yeah. If you love me, if you care about me, then why? how, how did he keep this secret all this time? Couldn't mm-hmm. you have given me some sort of inspiration or guidance or given me a, you know, a heads up? Yeah. So there's that part, kind of feeling alone and abandoned by God along the way through all of this as well. Yeah. And and, and it's a normal it's a normal uh, reaction, right? Yeah. It's like you call it the human factor. Everything that goes on with us is filtered through this brain, you know, and it, it's it's survival focused. It tries to do its best. We get tired. We get exhausted. Uh, we feel disconnected. We feel alone. These are all normal things. You know, one of the things I want to make sure that all the women listening understand is if you're feeling distant from God, if you're not feeling like you're close or connected or measuring up with him, if you're even angry at him, if, if the relationship is, is really um, broken up right now, that is not something for you to feel ashamed about yes. or inadequate about or unworthy about. That is just normal. Yeah, you're, you're, you're human, you only have so much capacity, and you know, so much resilience. And so please don't beat yourself up. If you're if you're feeling that your relationship to God is not where you'd like it to be, or it it has a lot of broken parts. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, if I've, and, and that again, is just amplified, right? If I have a past with that, I mean, I work with far too many wives where their husband's betrayal, it's just the tip of the iceberg. They've been yeah. abused in the past by other male figures in their life. Uh, they've, they've been emotionally disconnected or not modeled, you know, good connection by the men in their life. And, and they've got this string, right, of going back of people in their lives who have all kind of emulated that same thing. And you're absolutely right. I think it's easy for anybody, addict or spouse, to feel a lot of shame with that. Like, oh, geez, you know, I should be you know, I go to church or I learn this and that. And, you know, I hear my neighbors or friends or family talk about it and what I was taught and all that stuff. And, and I just don't feel that way right now. That's, and, and that is like you're indicating it is completely valid and uh, very, very difficult to argue with. Um, today, we want to start scratching the surface, right, of how to make a turnaround with this, because this is a, this is a difficult but very common topic for most of the wives that, that you and I work with. And, 
I just want to give our caveat here for this for this uh, podcast, which is technically always true, but probably more so today than in, in many cases. The subject that we're dealing with, uh, touching on on you you dear ladies, is is huge. And uh, this podcast is is episode we've designed it to be a beginning, not an end all solution, like most of the things that we deal with in here, because it's simply too nuanced and too complicated and too and too big of a topic to ever cover in one or probably even five of these episodes. Uh, so we, our goal is, I think, to, is to put, put you on that right track and give you some tools and things to be working on so that we can start to turn this thing around for you. Uh, with that caveat that we, we just beg and plead with you as always, please, please, please uh, connect yourself up with a qualified therapist who can kind of navigate you through the details of this thing. No, I'm, I'm glad you said that, Steve, because one of, the, one of the things I don't want us to portray on this podcast is, one, that this is a simple thing that has easy answers. Mm-hmm. It isn't. Yeah. Or that you and I understand all the caveats of it, you know, that we, we can get into the woman's mind and understand everything she's feeling and going through. Sure. That's absolutely not true. And this is, this is very complex. There's a lot of moving parts. And it takes time to navigate through this. Yeah, it does. I mean, I have clients where, you know, in, in my intensive programs, I tell them, you need to expect to be working with me on this for a minimum of 12 months. Yeah. So there's no way that you and I are, are going to do anything than what you said, scratch the surface in this little podcast. But hopefully we can help uh, the women listening to be have some self-compassion and some self-kindness to yeah. to not uh, to to not beat themselves up help the men who are listening to have a better understanding of your of your wife yeah and just uh, just start to open the door to some understanding and start to especially to feel some hope yeah uh, and and I know we're going to start talking here quickly about some solutions you know where's the hope if I do feel disconnected from god if I do do feel that that's just a broken relationship. Where do I go from here? Yeah. Can yeah. we be reconciled? Can I ever feel close to him? Can I ever trust? You know, can, mm. you know, you say, let go and let God, are you insane? <laughs> if I let go of one piece of this, it's all going to fall completely apart. Mm. I'm what's holding this together. How in the world do I let go? You know, yeah. so we're going to, we're going to talk about that. Small uh, topic, right? Nothing, yeah, very, nothing, very nothing big here. Nope. Nothing big today. Uh-uh. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, let's. Uh, I guess we should go ahead and start kind of breaking it down. Uh, you and I talked about this a little bit beforehand, so probably what we ought to do is kind of just start going through some of these common questions and addressing them. If that, yeah, if that works, let's do it. Okay. Well, where do you want to start, my friend? Well, um, maybe we'll let's touch on real quick uh, this human factor. Okay. Because one of the things that can separate us from God is that <clears throat> the human part of us gets in the way. Mm. It, you know, as you said, the human factor distorts God's voice. So things that are just happening because it's part of this fallen world that we live in, right? It's just part of the yeah. craziness of everyday life. We can tend, our brains can tend to superimpose all of that on God, and, and mistake that human factor and voice for his voice. Mm-hmm. And often yeah. they're not the same thing at all. But it can be tough to discern. Like, okay, yeah. what's God and what's just this life and, and me and this world? 
So let's talk about some of those distortions. How does, uh, how does God's voice get distorted for us by things that are happening around us as part of, as part of life? Mm, okay. No, that's a, that's a great topic. I mean, I, I can think back on multiple examples of, in my practice, for example, of how the cultural perception about sex with men versus women right, mm. plays out. Yes. The, the reality is, is that far too often, not in all cases by any means, but, but, but far more often than I'd be comfortable with, I, I hear in my office, you know, there's, there's a really distinct cultural divide between how quote unquote bad it is for a guy to have some sort of sexually compulsive or addictive behavior versus a woman. Um, there's a, there's a, a huge kind of distortion of the standard, right? Uh, too often men in some respects kind of get a pass a little bit in terms of like, well, yeah, this is bad, but there's all, but sometimes there's kind of that undercurrent of, well, but it's, it's not as bad. I mean, it's understandable, right? You're, you're sexual, you're, you're men are visual, you know, they have the highest sex drive. And so maybe it's a little more understandable. Um, whereas I have seen far too many examples where, uh, where, where betrayals happened on, on that side and, and then some sort of betrayal happens down the road prior to recovery oftentimes, you know, or, where a wife reaches out inappropriately in another relationship and, and becomes almost kind of demonized, right, in the process. And so that's, that's one cultural component that I see. And it kind of plays out in just little subtle ways through this whole process, right? It's kind of that notion of, well, boys will be boys kind of a thing, but, you know, women should somehow be expected to do something different. And so it, right out the gate on a cultural level, I think it just kind of creates that variance, right? Yeah. And that, that whole, you know, guys are just more sexual and just have more needs in that area that, that the culture teaches. And, and sometimes, unfortunately, that can spill over into the religious side as well. Mm-hmm. And so they're, you know, and, and, and I want to be clear, this is not, I would say this is, this isn't usually the case. In fact, I'd, I'd like to think today that it's that it's often not. Yes, but maybe too many times still. There's this aspect that women share with me where some kind of religious um, advice uh, is is in, is involved in the process, and what comes back to the woman is the message that well, you know, your husband's very sexual. He has sexual needs, and if you were if you were to meet those more effectively, then this problem would be solved. Yeah. And so that cultural paradigm is, is still in some, in some ways inside of our religious culture. And boy, don't even get me started on that one. Cause that's like a, (laughs) that's like a 10 hour podcast series. (laughs) You and me both. (laughs) (laughs) I think few things, few things boil our blood more than when we hear stories about that. And, and like you said, I am grateful to say that, the vast majority of religious leaders, for example, that I work with, there has been a dramatic shift in that in, you know, recent years over, I over, agree. The, last, over the last decade or so, especially, and which has been great. Um, but, the, but there's still too often is that perception. And it, and it should be noted that that isn't always just in a religious context. You know, when it's, when it's like a spiritual religious leader or, you know, counselor or whatever the case may be, that's fronting that, I think it carries some amplified damage because it's coming from that quote unquote, position of power, right? Um, which we can talk about in a second, but that really gets perpetuated, I think, by people in culture in general who just don't know what the crap they're talking about when, <laughs> right. when you're talking about this issue, right? 
Um, I think it's very natural for somebody with no, and I don't say that in a denigrating way. I think it's very natural for somebody on the outside of this who has no training in this, who's never experienced addiction in, in their marriage, who, who hasn't dealt with any of these issues to just look at it and just say, well, this is a sex thing. So if they just have more sex, then they should be good to go. Yeah. Right. It's, it's, I mean, it, it kind of makes logical sense if you, if you don't take into account all the other factors at play. And so not to give people a pass, but yeah, I think that perpetuates in all sorts of levels, right? It's, well, this is a sexual problem. And so if we focus on, you know, either increasing the sexuality or mixing it up or making it more exciting or whatever the case it is, then that, that could be the answer. When, as you and I talk about all the time, sex addiction has very little to do with sex. I know. And when people hear that, that don't have, you know, our background and training, they're like, what, what did you just say? Sure. That's a contradiction. You're crazy. You're insane. Yeah. There's always that throw off. And we're going to do a future podcast on the difference between sex and intimacy. I think we've alluded to that like three times and it just keeps getting pushed down the pipe. We do, it is, it's in our notes. I see it. I see it in I know. the notes. It is coming. <laughs> we've, we've got, by the way, just like the next 15 or so podcasts already mapped out, just so you all know. know. We, we, they are subject to change based on feedback from you in, in terms of order, but we've got lots more to, lots more to come. So. Hey everybody, Mark and Steve here. Are you looking to take your recovery and your marriage to the next level? We work with individuals and couples one-on-one. With both in-person and online therapy options, you have access to the experts anytime, anywhere. To learn more, visit us at pbscpodcast.com. So, yeah, no, I, I think that that's a, a huge piece to it. Um, I mean, if we look at uh, other elements to this, I mean, that isolation piece I was talking about before, right? Um, if I can't open up to my spouse because he's not safe, right, or trustworthy, if I can't open up to my friends because they might judge me or his secret might get out, right, and and he is just absolutely paranoid, which most addicts are in that situation about that. Um, oftentimes, wives are forced into this position where they're having to choose, which is just tragic and, and something that we need to address here right now. They were forced to choose between either their husband's recovery or theirs. Mm. And that choice is, is not something that anybody should be asked to make in this process. Yeah. And, so, and so part of our solution is going to be part of breaking out of that notion and and getting into a different uh, a different space with that. Yeah, because what can happen is, you know, the burden on the on the woman becomes double. She's protecting her husband's secrets, she's dealing with her own issues of what she can divulge or share. You know, his recovery and health is on her mind, her own betrayal and healing is on her mind, you know, the family, you know, just all of these things and all of that compounded together it can really uh, be a situation where uh, the relationship with God just kind of goes by the wayside or just totally. so complicated. Or, I mean, do you have time to have this really close, wonderful, spiritual utopia with God when all of this other crap's going on in your life? Mm. That's a, yeah. that's a tall order. Yeah. And just, yeah. So there's, there's a, there's a lot going on with that. Yeah. 
Absolutely. So we're going to, we're going to kind of jump into the, do this a little bit different. I think we're going to jump into the assignment portion of this and make it a little more elongated and yes. kind of talk about the assignment while we talk about the solution. If that, if that works for yep. all of you. Yep. Let's, let's jump into, so what do we do? So, you know, a woman's listening. Yeah. My relationship with God has really been strained or I'm really angry at him, or it's just the spirituality in my life is not doing very well right now. Yeah. Okay. So what do I do about it? How yeah, in the, the world do you live with an addict? How on earth do you, do you struggle under this heavy burden of betrayal trauma? How do you try to work on your marriage? And how do you fit spirituality and a, and a God relationship into all of that? Yeah. Is it possible to navigate all those things? I mean, We're going to address this in five minutes. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> yeah, you can see why this is just a beginning, right? Well, again, there's lots more to this. But I, I think the first place that you have to start is you have to get real with where you and God really stand and what your beliefs about him actually are based on your experience. As you guys have hear, heard me say on this podcast multiple times, you can't get where you want to go until you acknowledge where you're really at. And I know for me and for a lot of the guys that I work with and a lot of wives, to be fair, uh, holding on to what they were taught as a kid and clinging on to the, well, it should be this, it should be this, it should be this, rather than acknowledging, well, for right now, for me, it is this becomes really problematic. As long as you hold on to that belief, that's where a lot of that shame comes from. I've been taught God was these things in my life, and I'm not believing that, or I'm not in that place. So wrong, shame on me, shame on me, shame on me. And, and we have to get to a place where we get a little bit irreverent with this God concept and just say, you know what? I was taught X, Y, and Z things, but if I'm getting real with myself, this is what my experience in my marriage has taught me with God. From my perception, not saying this, this is what he is, but from my perception, my reality, this is the reality that I'm in. And so honoring that, right? Is God, is God, for example, somebody who seems to be apathetic or distant in your life? I can relate to that. So can Mark for, for obviously different reasons than you. You guys, yeah. if, any, if you've listened to any of our podcasts before this, you've heard that story or that part of our, our recovery multiple times. Um, is he, you know, is he someone that's going to bring blessings into my life? Is he somebody that will proactively engage in my life? I want to believe that, but maybe I don't yet, right? Or maybe I've stopped believing that. Um, well, and that's, and that's part of this assignment. You know, last week we gave the addicts, you know, the addict versus God and talked about this, you know, fire your false God and hire the true one kind of concept. <clears throat> so what we're inviting the women listening to do is, Take some time to write down all of the all of the attributes of God as as that relationship exists today. Yeah, you know He's the kind of God that does what. Maybe you honestly, passionately feel well. He just doesn't seem to listen, or he does. He's not there for me, or right. Just honestly, truly write down how do you see God in this moment at this time in your life. Yeah, there's no taboo to that. There's no blasphemy or sacrilege or any of those things. It's whatever is raw and real in your heart and mind about what you think and feel about God today. Yeah. So how is he now? And mm. just list all that out. Yep. Absolutely. And, and, and then going along with that, right, is kind of doing that exploring. I think we refer to this in the podcast at times as the higher fire assignment, right? Yes, where we're kind of now we're not literally telling you to fire God. I, I don't need to be struck by lightning any more than Mark does. So we're not telling you that. We're talking about just paradigms, right? And 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 looking at what is as opposed to what we'd like it to be, and where and where we're going to go forward with. 
And so you do have to, uh, I think, then make make kind of a wish list, if you will, right? If God was going to operate in my life, what would that look like, right? What would that? How would He be? How would He act? How would He function? You know, what 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 would I like to see happen there? And that is that is kind of a first step towards reconciling that relationship. It's not the not the whole thing by any means, um, but it is going to at least start you on that path of 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 considering and being open to new not just new attributes of God, but ways in which he works in your life. Um, ways in which he, he can bring about and inspire change and, and do things. Um, Mark and I could give you example after example where we have more or less, just being candid, told God to screw off multiple times in our life. And he's come back and, you know, blessed us in ways that A, we don't deserve and B, that we didn't really understand till way down the pipe. So yeah. Um, and yeah. very, very common, especially in, in this situation. So it's it's about honoring that that place that you're at with God and and letting go of the shame of, of what should be, okay, and and looking at what is. So that's that's going to be step. Um, that's going to be step number one. Um, as we go through, as you go through, and you kind of build on that relationship, right? Then you have to move to move into a couple of other areas if you really want to make this to make this. Uh, this transition into a, into a better relationship. The first one, and this would be, be the one that we're going to kind of end with today, recognizing that there's 10 more steps down the line, um, <laughs> is going to be um, a, forming a clear division of labor, right, in this marriage. Uh, usually, when I'm working with a spouse, when they first come in to see me, the balance of who is taking ownership of what is grossly, you know, out of whack. Um, because of a lack of trust and a lack of fear, oftentimes, for example, on a spouse's part, going back to what we were saying before, I can't let God own his part because he lets me down. And I can't let go of my husband's part because he acts like a jackass. Like, I can't, I can't do either one of those, right? I, that's not an option for me. Um, when the reality is, is and, and, that, and the fear behind that is understandable, right? Because it's, I hear it from wives all the time. I know you do as well. It's this notion of, well, if I let go, kind of like what you were talking about before, what happens? You know, if I, I am the glue holding this relationship together. And if I let go, then, then it's going to fall apart. So what do you do with that? Yeah. So, you know, we, we could come at this, you know, real easily and say, well, you know, marriage is a three-part deal. Mm-hmm. There's you, your spouse, and God. And yes. you need to decide what the divisions of labor and responsibility are between those three, those three parts, those three partners. And that sounds simple. But a lot of maybe in every case, women who are who are caught in this situation of addiction and betrayal, trauma and all this stuff, they're like, wait a second, there's this equal three way partnership. It sure doesn't feel like that right now. It feels like it's me. Right. Just all these plates spinning in the air, trying to keep everything balanced and going. I don't feel like there's this equal three way partnership. Mm -hmm. How in the world do you get to that? Well, and 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 yeah, and, the, and it's a great question. The first thing that you've got to do is do the scariest thing imaginable, and it's to start <laughs> practicing letting go of the parts of this that you distinctly, for sure, because this is a nuanced process, right? Dividing up this labor, so to speak. But the first thing is is acknowledging reality and and letting go of the actions of others, specifically of your of your spouse, right? Yeah. Um, it's being willing to to let him own the fact that his recovery is his own. Uh, it means honoring the fact that he's got agency, just like you do, right? Um, and I and I recognize and honor so much 
my wife did this as well, that a lot of, a lot of the time spouses are doing this from a place of love, right? They're trying to carry this relationship forward because they want it to work because they want to stay together because they want these different things. But the thing that I'd have have lovingly have to ask any wife in that situation is you have to ask yourself, is that working? How is that working for us? Is this really sustainable? Because if the marriage, if, if, again, the fear is always understandable, but I would say this, if in fact you were to let go of those pizza pieces of the, of the recovery process that your spouse squarely has to own and no one else can, if you were really to let go of those and the marriage was really going to fail, then the reality is it's, it's already failing. It's just no, failing I, in a very yeah, slow, a, drawn out process. Yep. It's a great point. And I know it's frightening. It's like if, if I let go of this, it's all going to completely collapse. If I stop policing my husband, if I stop trying to figure out where has he been online, you know, is he, I need to check his texts to see if he's chatting with someone. I need to basically, you know, be the detective and the overseer to make sure that he's staying in line. Going to 12-step meetings, working his recovery. Yeah, is he right? doing everything he's supposed to be doing? How are things going with you today, honey? Did yeah. You, did you do your self-care? Did you do this? Did you do that, right? All this mm-hmm. stuff that the woman takes upon herself because she feels if she doesn't, he's just going to hell in a handbasket. It's over. Yep. And yet, like you said, yeah, that's true. But eventually, he's going to go there anyway. And it's just going to be a prolonged, painful process versus just facing it right now. Absolutely. My part, what's his part? And are we going to hold each other accountable to do our part? When I oftentimes hear from wives, you know, it's common when we start talking about this, then the next thing that comes up was, well, then, then what? I mean, that just seems so callous, right? That's not, I'm not loving this relationship. I'm not investing all that I can. Yeah. Right. I'm not doing everything that I can. And the reality is, is you're trying to do things that you literally cannot do. Right. I, I believe I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but if you, if you take nothing else, at least take this from, from this podcast, ladies, you cannot afford to be your husband's absolver, confessor, or policeman. You can't be any of those things anymore. If you're being any of them now. If you're taking on any of those roles in the relationship, I don't care how lovingly you're trying to do it, you are in a downward spiral. That dynamic has to shift. Um, you, there is no reason on, uh, fathomable to me, and I say this as an addict who's gone through this process, there is, there is simply no justification for a wife having to recurrently check up and follow up with a, a spouse on what he's doing for recovery. That is his job, to own that with you. He's the one who's caused the danger. He's the one who's caused the harm. And you need to love him, but you need to love yourself first. The only way you can love him is to love yourself first and to honor the fact that this isn't my job to police. Now, that's terrifying, right? Because if we let go of these things, what we're asking you to do is to let go of control. But, but what we're asking you to do at the same time is honor the fact that you really didn't have control anyway. These things, I mean, again, you have to ask yourself, how's that working out for you? You making sure your husband goes to meetings every week, you think he's really getting out of it what he should be? Oh, I'm just here for my wife week after week after week after week, right? Do you think he's really getting out of therapy what he could or ought to be? If he's doing it just to get his wife off off his back, you'd be shocked how many times I've heard that from guys on session one. I am here (laughs) to get my wife off my back, right? (laughs) Um, and, And now again, it doesn't mean that you can't love or encourage and state your needs, 
But there is a big difference between stating your needs and honoring your needs and trying to fulfill your own. You cannot own his part of the relationship. If it's if this thing is going to move forward and if it has a hope in uh, a hope in you know a really hot place, of <laughs> I'm not going to swear today. That's today's Steve's goal today for the podcast. Um, if it's going to have any chance of working, there has to be that that ownership. You love. I, I know that all. I, I say. I said this to a wife just two weeks ago. So speaking one on one, I I would dare say it's probably a safe statement to to state the following. You love your spouse probably more than anyone else on the planet. Maybe his mom. I don't know. That's a different. That's a whole other discussion. But you you are one of those people who is rooting for, invested in this marriage. Uh, you're definitely the one most invested right at this point. I mean, there's no one else who is pushing more pulling for this thing. But by that same token, as much as you may love and care about him, I guarantee you God cares way more about and loves him way more than you could ever hope to. And you don't see him popping off the cloud and fixing this. You don't see him coming down and making him do X, Y, or Z things or sending the angel Gabriel down to you know force his butt into a 12-step meeting or whatever the case is. <laughs> because really loving somebody, I would argue, means loving them enough to honor their right to make choices. When we hold boundaries in relationships, when we hold boundaries in recovery, we do it from a place of I get, I can and need to be responsible for doing me. I do me. But that also means that I have to let go and acknowledge that you need to do you. And if we're compatible and we can make this thing work, then it, you'll be, we'll be able to meet each other's needs and be working towards that place. But if we really can't in the long term, now you're, now you're having to face those difficult, scary questions that most of us try to avoid when we hold on to control in the relationship, which is that maybe it will fail. And it, and it might, right? Part of letting go is throwing yourself off of that precipice. But the, the rewards for that, on, on the flip side, I can tell you, are also, it's extremely rewarding. It's liberating for most women. Once they're able to make that leap and to let go, they tell me time and again, you know, oh my gosh, I don't know how I carried that crap for so long. Like that just was, you know, crazy how, how long I hung on to that for. Yeah. So if we, uh, if we finish this up then with kind of a part two of the assignment. So the yeah. first part was to write down exactly where you're at with God today, whatever that is, good, bad, or ugly. And then to kind of uh, write along with that, how you would like the relationship to be, what you need from him and mm-hmm. write those things down. But now this last part of your assignment is to sit down as a couple and get raw and real. And uh, I would say, Steve, do it like a four column, a four column assignment. Yep. Column one for, for the, the addict is what is, what is the addict's responsibility for his recovery? What should he be doing? What is, list those all out. And in the marriage as well, right? What are the parts that that to own? Yeah. So the addict's responsibilities in his recovery then, then the spouse writes down what her, her part is in her own healing and coming, you know, coming along that betrayal trauma healing path for her. Then the column about what is, what is the responsibility in the marriage yeah. together. And then fourth column is what's God's part. Yeah. So there's four parts, right? Absolutely. Husband, wife, marriage, God. But each person needs to, needs to, each one of those needs to say, am I willing to accept this responsibility? What's in my column, 
without yeah. being policed or coerced or motivated or constantly, you know, reminded by you. Yep. Am I going to do this? Well, and, and it is a good discussion. If your spouse is open to having this discussion, I would say definitely pursue that option if there's really a level of vulnerability and trust there. But you may, in many cases, many of you may need to start, you, you wives may need to start off doing this for yourself. First yes. And saying, you know what, where, and begin with your own column and say, you know, which parts of these do I need to own? In other words, which, which areas of this relationship should I be exerting control in? Which parts do I need to take care of? you know, in regards to my own recovery, as well as on the marital side. And then you kind of develop and branch out from there, right? Taking into context uh, what you have to give, the energy you're able to spend, the time you're able to invest, all of, all of those things. Connecting with that authentic self that we talk about so much on this podcast. Um, as always, guys, doing these assignments is pretty much reliant on doing all the other assignments previously for them to be effective. And so, Please, uh, we, we invite you to tune into these other random rambling podcast episodes of ours. <laughs> We'd like to think there's something good at the end. So, so yeah, it's uh, anyway, I, I love that assignment. I think that's a great way to go. And, and as always, we would love to hear from each of you. You know, tell us how this works for you. Give us an idea of what questions or concerns you have on this topic. Please don't be a stranger. Visit us at pbscpodcast.com. You can, there's a contact form on there. You can reach out to us anytime. And, and as we indicated, we've got our next 15 episodes of podcasts already <laughs> lined out, but we are happy and, and willing to change and alter that schedule based on what you're needing, what you're wanting. And so uh, please do let us know if there, there are things that uh, you think that weren't addressed that are critical that need to be addressed here. Well, one, and one final thing I, I just feel like I need to say, you know, as I described yeah. that four column exercise, there are a number of women listening where their husbands are not in the place where you can, where they can sit down with a husband and talk about this in a rational, clear-minded way. Yep. He, he's just not there. Mm -hmm. So as a woman, you may need to do this, as Steve says, on your own. You know, list out those columns and what you feel should be going in each of those columns. And then you may need, to, as you seek pro hopefully professional help, as your husband's willing to do that, it may be that it will be with professional guidance that you're finally able as a couple to get to the place where you can do that four column exercise together. Mm -hmm. We don't expect that yeah. you're going to be able to do that today. In Absolutely. fact, many of you won't be able to do that. Absolutely. So, no, I love that. I think that that's great. All right. Well, thanks everybody as always for tuning in. Hopefully uh, we, we did our best to cover a really long topic in a really short amount of time. <laughs> and uh, again, we'd love to address more of it. If, if you feel that would be helpful, everybody hope you have a great day and be safe out there. All right. Take care. That's all for today. Thanks for joining us. And remember, the opposite of addiction isn't sobriety, it's connection. Together, we can do the impossible. To learn more about Mark and Steve and to listen to more podcast episodes, visit us at pbscpodcast.com. Everything expressed on the PBSC podcast are the opinions of the hosts and the participants and is for informational and educational purposes only. This podcast should not be considered mental health therapy or as a substitute thereof. 
It is strongly recommended that you seek out the clinical guidance of an individual qualified mental health professional. If you're experiencing thoughts of suicide, self-harm, or a desire to harm others, please dial 911 or go to your nearest emergency room.